honey and, and the grapes have to be carried in clusters. It was just a place of abundance. But he also told them that there were some giants in that land and they were going to have to take those giants in order to get the promises that were promised to them. Today, we don't have as many physical giants as we do, unless you call Shaq or any of those guys giants, but we don't really have a lot of giants that impress us. But we do have a lot of giants that are more facing morality. We've seen a lot of changes. We see changes in the Boy Scouts. We've seen pressure in the Girl Scouts. We've seen um, people trying to redefine what marriage is. We're seeing strong giants trying to, to change perceptions on lifestyles, calling what's wrong right and right wrong, and if you don't see it their way, then, then you're bigoted. And it's amazing that a person who's calling you bigoted might be bigoted themselves. We're, as a church, called to love everyone. Amen. Thank you for that one amen. <laughs> we, as a church, are called to love everyone. Amen. Okay, good. I just want to make sure that this side was away, because... But that doesn't mean we have to love what they're doing. It means that for us to, to reach them, we have to have a relationship with them. See, people don't want you standing on a corner pointing your finger at them and telling them everything they're doing wrong. They want to see what's going right in your life, and you're not going to get that part unless you spend some time with people. But Pastor Mark, I'm so busy, I don't have time for people. Then I'd say that maybe we have the wrong priorities. Today I'm going to be talking about facing our giants, and I'm going to be talking about the giant of pride. Now, if you just thought, I don't need this sermon, put yourself up at the very top of the list, okay? And I want you to think about, I don't need pride. <laughs> this is, uh, never mind. Proverbs 16, 18 says that pride goes before destruction, and that a haughty spirit before a fall. Today is it's Palm Sunday, and, and we're going to be celebrating Good Friday this week and Easter next Sunday. And as we go through the resurrection story, we're going to see pride in all of the characters other than Christ. And before we go to the resurrection story, I want to I kind of take you back to the very, very beginning. And let's think about what was one of the first instances that we're seeing in heaven that it deals with pride. Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 15 says this, how, how are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, which is Satan, son of the morning, and how you are cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also on the mount of the congregation and in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, and I will be like the Most High. Like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to hell to, to the sides of the pit. So what we see, one of the very first things is Satan, which was a very high archangel created by God, desired and led worship, and there's no offense here because we even honor the worship team today, but they wanted to receive the worship instead of leading others to worship pride. Okay, so let's take a look at this. Now, pride filled Lucifer's heart. He wanted to be like God. Now, let's fast forward into the New Testament, and we see where Satan and Jesus are talking. Now, Jesus has been led out in the wilderness. He's been out for 40 days without food. I don't know about you. If you've ever gone on any fast, sometimes you're just a little more tired, a little more sluggish. And this is what happens when Satan comes in and tries to tempt Jesus. Matthew 4, verses 8 through 10, it says, Again, the devil took him to an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them and said unto him, All these things I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone. I like that word. Be gone. Be gone. All right. Traffic, be gone. I'm going to start using that word more, okay? <laughs> be gone, Satan. For it is written. Hey, you haven't driven on Cooper at like 5 o'clock in the afternoon, have you? You'll start using be gone a little bit more. Okay, before you judge me, just think about it. You shall worship the Lord your God, and in him only shall you serve. So what we're seeing is Satan has not changed. He wanted 
power and authority and worship in the very beginning. He's now seeing Jesus and he's saying, hey, if I can get it through this way, any way I can, I want to be praised and glorified. This week is a very special week within the Christian community. And we read the story, and this week, I, I'm going to challenge you, even in your busy schedule, just pull out one of the Gospels and read through it about all that took place from Palm Sunday today when Jesus came in on a donkey and they were praising Hosanna, Hosanna, thinking he was going to come and, and deliver them from Roman rule. See, all they wanted was just out from the oppression of Roman rule. And Jesus saying, I've got something much bigger, something much better that's going to last forever. How many times are we asking God for something so temporary when he's saying, I got something so big? You see what I mean? Oh, God, take care of this headache I have. And he's like, but you don't know what else is in your body. You see, we come before him with such limited knowledge, and God has such huge knowledge. Sometimes when he says, God, your will be done, can be one of the most powerful prayers we ever pray because it takes us out of the element have we ever noticed that when we're praying, we're praying our wish list, our grocery list. God, I need a new job. I need a new car. I need a new house. I'd like to lose 10 pounds. <laughs> Maybe you guys don't pray that way. There's some people out there that do, okay? I know them. I know, okay. <laughs> Not y'all. But sometimes our prayers are a little selfish. So with pride in mind, let's go and start looking through because the religious leaders in this story were the instigators and Jesus' accusers. They despised and they feared Jesus. Matthew, 25, uh, Matthew 23, verses 5 through 10. This is what Jesus says about the religious leaders at the time. He says, they do, uh, they do everything to attract people's attention. They make their headbands large and their tassels on their shawls big. They love the place of honor at dinners and the front seats in synagogues. They love to be greeted in the marketplace and to have people call them rabbi. But don't make others call you rabbi because you have only one teacher and you are all followers. And don't have anyone on earth call you father because you only have one father and he is in heaven. Don't make others call you leader because you have only one leader, the Messiah. And what he's saying is don't look to man for your source. Don't look to man for your knowledge. Go directly to God. If you're hungry for something, cry out to God. Don't call me because what I have is limited and it's probably polluted. What you want is pure and unlimited, right? How many of y'all have gone through drive through and said, I just want one French fry, that's it. Ma'am, yeah, just one French fry. See, I, I want the jumbo size. I want everything that God has to give in everything. So don't look to man. Amen. But see, in essence, the pride of the Pharisees was their desire to be worshipped. They wanted to be worshipped. In fact, if you look through, this is, do you all remember last week I mentioned about the cowboy preacher that taught me the most important word, woe, okay? And how it works with a horse. Woe has to be the important thing you teach the horse. The horse is your servant, Okay. So I was reading through Matthew 23. There are seven woes in this passage, okay? So just look it up this week. Woe to you Pharisees. Woe to you Pharisees. Woe to you Pharisees. And I thought, man, Jesus had a little cowboy in him. Because what he's saying is, <laughs> you know, you guys need to stop. And he was pointing out everything about what they were doing and what was so different about him. You see, Jesus didn't come to be worshipped and praised. He came to serve and save and redeem us. He was never self-promoting. If you're writing something down, I'm about to say something pretty smart, okay? So just pay attention, just here, and then you can go back to thinking about for lunch. Man fears what he does not understand. Okay? Man fears what he does not understand. And the Pharisees did not understand Jesus. He didn't, they didn't know their motives. He, they didn't know his, why he was coming. They were baffled at the miracles that he was doing. And miracles, man, there's like one little sense that said, and Jesus went in the synagogue and healed them all. Not some, all. I, I want to be a part of that all, not some. You see, I think we're living in a some mentality. We're, we're in a some church atmosphere, and I want an all of God mentality. 
and all of God. I want to see the blind healed. I want to see the deaf hear. I want to see marriages restored. I want to see families brought back together. I want to see drug-addicted people that have, are marked and scratched and scarred their lives up saying, now I have a reason to live. I don't dread the morning. I don't need Jack Daniels. I have Jesus. You see, people that need things instead because they haven't tied into what God really has for them. They don't comprehend love. See, if you've been raised in a very horrible lifestyle, you think everybody has an agenda. Nothing is free. There's no free lunch. Don't turn your back on anyone. And when you read through the gospel, it's God is love. God is peace. God cares for you. And sometimes it's hard for us to fathom that somebody could love us with all the horrible things that we've done. And none of us are perfect. Some of us may be better dressed than others. Some of us may be living in better homes than others. But none of us are perfect. All of us were sin. All of us were in the gutter of sin when Jesus and the Holy Spirit came into our lives. I don't care what your last name is. I don't care what's in your bank account. God came into the filth of our lives, the depression of our lives, the sin and the addictions, and saw the gem and jewel of our lives and said, I want that. Everybody else is stepping on it like trash, but God wanted it. See, Satan's trying to tell you you're worth nothing. Your life is nothing. You'll never amount to anything. He'll even send people into your life to confirm that. Some of them are people that you think love you. But man fears what he does not understand. And the Pharisees were watching him and judging him. In the crucifixion story, there were also two other crosses that hung beside my Lord and my Savior. And these were men that had received the death penalty for breaking the law. Now, as you know, we've always known that they were thieves. Some translations will say robbers. But I want you to know that traditional thieves were not crucified. Okay? I mean, if you stole a candy bar out of a store, that didn't mean you were being crucified. They were harsh, but they weren't that harsh. What it meant is that for you to receive this, you had to cause some big trouble while you were stealing. Okay? Some people got hurt. In fact, if you think about this, now this is just Mark's opinion, okay? Barabbas, Matthew 27, 16, okay, was a thief and led a, a big uh, brouhaha during the time, and he was to be crucified. There were two others that were crucified that didn't get the grace and mercy to be brought off the cross. I think that those guys were probably pretty much in cahoots with Barabbas, okay? And they were going to get rid of all three of them at one time and, and take care of that. So what happens is um, they're, they're hanging on the cross, and in the beginning, they're both rejecting Christ. Now, remember, we're talking about pride here, so just keep this in mind. And it says in Matthew 27, 44, it says, The robbers who had been crucified him with him were also insulting him with the same words. Now, at this point, both men are insulting Jesus. And Mark 15, 25 tells us it was nine in the morning when they crucified him. Now, yours might say the third hour, but it was nine in the morning when they started crucifying my Lord and Savior. The Gospel of Luke tells us that before the sixth hour, though, something happens to one of those robbers. And he saw Jesus for who he really was. Let's look at Luke 23, verses 39 through 45. And the Word of God tells us that one of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abusive, uh, abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence and condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly for what we, have re for what we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said unto him, Truly I say unto you, you shall be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and darkness fell over the whole earth until the ninth hour, because the sun was obscured and the veil of the temple was torn in two. So what we have here is we have two men that really represent a lot of people today. Both in rebellion, both in sin, both dying because of what they had done. 
And at the very beginning, both are hurdling insults. Now, the one that's hurdling insults that never receives Christ is basically sarcastically saying, hey, if you can do this, why don't you do that and save me too? Selfishness. But the other one, I think, looked into Jesus' eyes during that time, and he saw love. You see, when you're in love, you can look in somebody's eyes and you see love. You don't see, I've seen anger before too, not from Kristen. I've seen anger before. I've seen bitterness. I've seen hurt. And I think that that thief looked into Christ's eyes and saw the forgiveness. And I think one of the most beautiful prayers that were ever prayed or said to Christ was, would you remember me? Man, powerful words. Remember me. He saw that he needed forgiveness. He needed a savior. We can either choose to accept what Christ did on the cross, or we can deny him. We either realize we need forgiveness. You see, when the man was looking over into the eyes of his Savior, he received, today you'll be with me in paradise. The giant of pride. Let's get into it now. First, we talked about how Satan fell from heaven because of pride. And I want you to know that pride will drive a wedge in our relationships. First with God and with others. Pride will drive a wedge, a separation between you and God and you and others. See, you and God has to be the first important relationship because if you don't have a relationship with, with God, then you really don't have a pure relationship with others. The more God pours into the you, the more you can love others. See, we think we can love people, but we love people on our own conditionally. If you love me, I'll love you. If you do something good for me, I'll do something for you. But the more that we get this kind of love, the more it says, you know what? You've hurt me with your words, but I still love you. See, the more we get this kind of love, the more we can overlook an offense. The more we spend time with God, we can overlook what people do around us. But if you're pulling out of your own Coke machine, then all of it's going to be just warm, fizzed out Coke. Okay? Because you have not been receiving this, you're trying to give out of this. And this is nothing, because the Word of God says that man will fail you, but God will never fail you. Okay? I don't care how good looking they are, how wealthy they are, how sweet their words are, man will fail you. But God will never fail you. Pride is the eye disease. Now, they're calling this generation now the eye generation because we have our iPads, our iPhones, our iTouches, I, I, I. It's all about me, right? Read people's Facebook. I don't care what you had for breakfast, okay? I mean, I'm not saying that in love, but really? Okay, we, okay. wow, that was a really popular statement. Okay, I'll get back to this. The eye disease starts to make thinking that everything we've done is important. Everything we've accumulated is because of our hard work. Everything that's good happening in our world, I don't, see, there are people out there, now this may blow your mind, that say, I don't need a savior. Just think about that for a minute. Okay. I don't need a savior, which means I'm happy and I'm content the way I am. I make a good living. I could drive a, 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 a German-made car. My kids are semi-good. My 401k is great. Why do I need your savior? Pride. Here's another good thing that if you want to write something down. Pride is the only disease that makes everyone sick around you but not the person who has it. Pride is the only disease that makes everyone sick around you except the person that has it. If you've ever been around a prideful person, if you've ever worked for a prideful employer, if you've ever had a schoolmate or a teacher or a neighbor that's prideful, it will make you sick spending time with them. Because it's all about them. It's all about their accomplishments. It's all about what they've done. But see, the giant of pride opens up doors to other sins. You see, Satan, that was the very first thing that, that got Satan kicked out of, out of heaven. 
even in our life, though, if you say, oh, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm not a prideful person, okay? Pride opens the door for greed when we feel like we haven't received enough. That's what greed is. I want more because I'm deserving of it. Okay? I've been here longer. You don't work harder. You've just been there longer. Okay? I, I, I deserve more. Pride. Envy. Envy is when we feel that ourselves have not received what was due to us. That some honor went to someone else. Well, I should have got that $25 gift card today. Yeah. They don't realize how important I am here. I'm just saying, pride is behind all of these different things. Anger. We get angry when our self is offended. I'm offended, and I'm, I'm important. And that shouldn't happen. <laughs> We're going to take on the giant of anger in two weeks. And I think it's going to be one of the best messages you've ever heard on anger in your life. And I wasn't saying that pridefully. <laughs> yeah, sounded like Greg. We feel resentment when our self is threatened by others. It all goes back to I, 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 me, 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 self, self, self. But praise God, Amen. praise God, we've been given a remedy to pride. And that remedy comes from our scriptures. And the way you fight this giant is with a more pow powerful virtue than pride. Amen. And that more powerful virtue is humility. So how do we gain humility, especially when we've struggled with pride? Let's look. Look. What Christ did on the cross. You see, when we take everything in our life to what Christ did on the cross, we realize that we need a Savior. When we look to what Christ did on the cross, we realize we need to confess our sins. We need to get the junk out of our life. When we look to what Christ did on the cross, sometimes I see my weaknesses. You see, that's the problem that the Pharisees had. They couldn't see their weaknesses. They thought they were too important to be humble. Just Here's a, here's a little 411 information fact for you. When Christ came... He hung out with the sinners and the prostitutes and, 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 and the low lives of, of that society. He took on and fought the religious institution. See, it wasn't that he was hanging out with all the Pharisees making fun of the sick and the homely and the... And, homeless, not homely. <laughs> Never mind. I'm going to laugh about that one later, okay? But it wasn't that he was in there with the, with the Pharisees pointing the finger at all the others. He was out loving the others and pointing the finger back at them. Amen. That's why they didn't like him. And he goes in and he upsets the tables and the money because they made a good living off of this. Yep. Humility. Philippians 2, 3 says, Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Amen. Wow. Exactly right. I don't think there's going to be any book fair on that because nobody wants to buy that book. Okay? I mean, we know about it, but we're not going to spend 1995 to realize how we can treat other people better. Christ came and took on the form of a servant. He didn't come to be served, he came to serve. In fact, when, he, when you read through the story this week, he, he takes the towel and, and he starts washing their feet because back then everybody wore open sandals. And, they, and, and you know what? We always thought it was, okay, I'm, I don't mean to be, okay, just forgive me. Everybody thinks, oh, it was just dusty back then. Guess what? They had camels, they had mules, 
They had oxen, and those streets weren't like what we're used to. Some of you have more poop on your shoes than you'd like to admit to. See, I made it G-rated. Okay? Well, we think, oh, it's just dust. No, when, when Jesus was washing their feet, he was washing the poop that we step into all the time. Poopery. I'm going to hear about that from someone. I just know, but it's okay. We need to be asking for cleansing. We need to be asking for cleansing. And the cleansing comes back to what Christ did on the cross. Everything with humility goes back to what Christ did on the cross. Because what Christ did on the cross changed your life and changed my life. Changed your future, changed my future. Changed the way we look at things, changed the way you should look at things. What Christ did on the cross. And all the prideful people and all the prideful disciples and every, you know, when the mom comes up and says, hey, my two sons have been with you the whole time. When you go to heaven, could you have them sit right there? Talk about not getting the serving part, but all about the positioning part. You know, it was probably second, third grade when I was, when I was in school, um, way back. And remember when they said, the teacher would say, line up? Remember that? And everybody line up, but then there was like no cuts. Remember? Because there was always somebody who wanted to get and cut in in front of you, and you're like, no cuts, no cuts, and all this, you know? We need to be a church of servanthood, not a church of, hey, cuts. I want to be in the front of the line. It's all about me. It's all about me. It is all about him. Ask for cleansing in your life. Ask, ask God to, to cleanse you, especially when it comes to pride. Psalms 19.12 says, How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. See, what I'm telling you is that it's great that you're asking for forgiveness if you lied to somebody last week or you did something or you should have returned the change, extra change you got back from somebody or, or you, you know, you're feeling guilty because you, you, you really were gossiping about somebody. Why don't, we, why don't we get beyond the surface and start getting into the real dirt of our lives and say, God, is there any hidden sins inside of me? Because it's the, the hidden sins that are causing everything else to grow the roots of all the envy, the greed, the anger. Asking God to search us for what's in our lives. You see, pride, spiritual pride, is like an iceberg. You're only seeing the tip of it. But underneath, it's huge. But man, we get dressed up and we come to church on Sunday and we say, how art thou? And thou art fine. And man, we put on all our smiley faces. And then we go back into that huge pile of pride. And we don't talk to people because they're not like us. We don't hang out with people because they're not our kind of people. We look down on people that we know are in sin. But we don't think that we should go there and, and tell them that we're praying for them. But next Sunday we're going to be there. How art thou? Thou art fine. And we have all of our religious words that we say. And that's not what church is supposed to be about. We are to be the church seven days a week, 24, seven. And when we find somebody who's hurting, somebody who's just confused, somebody who's broken, somebody who needs healing, we should be Jesus to them. We should be encouraging them. We should be inviting them to church. And say, you got to hear the testimony of Dino, our worship pastor. Or you need to talk to, to Sherry. Or you need to talk to, to Rhonda. Whatever the case may be, bring them in and let us love them. And let them hear the word of God about what, how much God loves them and how much God cares for them. That's the, what the church should be doing. God hates sin. And it's time to get any sin out of our lives. Today's trash day, okay? Today's trash day. 
I don't know if you've ever taken your trash out the night before. Today's trash day, so we're getting rid of the trash. We're getting rid of any prideful sin in our lives. We're getting the prideful sin that's even in the church, and we're putting it out to the curb. I've never brought trash back in. Are we ready to do that as a church? I believe that the Holy Spirit's already been speaking to some of you, saying, you know what? I need to hear this message on pride because I might just have a little, a little bit of an iceberg, but just a little. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, I want to challenge you this week. Here's your homework assignment. When you do something, ask yourself, what was my motive in that? When you do something this week, would you be strong enough to ask yourself, what was my motive? Did I do that just to show off to someone? Did I write that just to make myself look more intellectual than the rest of the people? Did I do this because I know that I can do it better than anyone else? Or did I do it because I love other people? You see, it might surprise you how much pride starts coming into your life, recognizable when we start looking at our motives because our motives will determine whether we're, we're walking in pride or walking in humility. Jesus walked in perfect humility. The power of God in him, and he walked in humility. When we respond to people, ask yourself, what was my motive in responding that way? And I pray that even throughout this week, we'll see that we're doing more because we love people. We want better for people. We want to help people as opposed to improving our image, improving our position, improving our, our net goal. It's not about you, it's about him. As I close, I want to lead everybody in a prayer. And this prayer is a prayer of forgiveness, asking God to forgive us for what we've done because we've all done stuff. But God loves us. In fact, God loves us so much that he sent the most valuable thing in heaven, and that was his son, Jesus, to come to this filthy little blue planet and to live among us and to love and to try to teach and to show the right example. The church and the Pharisees criticized him. The government killed him. But over 2,000 years ago, and you and I are still here talking about him. <laughs> and if you read the end of the book, he's coming again. And we don't know when. It could be today. It could be this week. But I'm ready. So my question to you is, if you were to die in a car accident today, do you know where you'd be spending eternity? Would you be spending eternity in heaven because you know that you've accepted Christ into your heart and Savior? You cried out to him and asked for forgiveness? Or are you not sure? And if you're not sure, then this is the time. This is when you're going to be making the most important decision you've ever made in your life. And that's asking Christ into our heart. I want to ask everyone to pray with me. We're not going to have you stand. We're not going to embarrass you. You know what? This is between you and God. But if you did say, hey, I, today I, I, I prayed that prayer, you need to tell somebody. You see, when you find something good, you tell other people. I found a great restaurant. Let's go there. I found a, a great this. Let's go there. I found a Savior today. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I am saved. Amen. This week,
read through one of the Gospels, why we celebrate Palm Sunday, why we call it Good Friday, why Easter or Resurrection Sunday. But when you read it, look at all of the characters that are involved in it and see if there's any pride that you're picking up. Also this week, when you make a decision, when you say something, when you go somewhere, ask, what was my motive in this? Was this all about me or all about him? I'm, I'm, there might be one of you out there that's going to be really freaked out by the results of this request. But I pray the rest of you start seeing a change in your actions and attitudes. And all of a sudden we start becoming more like Christ because we start recognizing the motives. I'd like to speak a blessing over you. Just please stand. Before I speak the blessing, just want you to know, next Sunday is Easter. <laughs> Invite somebody to church. More people will be open to attending on Easter than any other Sunday. In fact, I showed that video once with you. It says 81% of the people that were invited to church will come with you on Easter. My challenge to you is, are you willing to invite somebody to church? See, I'd like to see 81% of you invite somebody to church. I'd like 100%, but I'd be thrilled for 81% of you to bring somebody to church next week so that they can hear about a God who loves them, who has a hope and a future for them. So they can experience a church that loves them because of who they are and not because of what they're going to be. That was good, Mark. Thank you. <laughs> may the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. So go in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for coming. We love you so very, very much.